This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Are you familiar with the Emergency Alert System? It's part of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and it's vital to public safety. Radio stations, along with satellite, cable TV, desktop, and mobile devices, deliver alerts, which can be life-saving. What is next? What do we have to do to make public warning and alerts more accessible to all the communities around the United States. Then, a recent study shows that walking a minimum number of steps daily can cut heart attack risk by more than half. While this is not the end-all, be-all number of the sweep range, our particular study showed that that range had a 50 to 70% lower risk of premature death. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's InfoTrack. The program begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. The emergency alert system is important to public safety, and key radio stations play a vital role in keeping you informed in the event of a crisis. InfoTrack's Roy Mackey has the story. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Our guest is Manny Centeno, project manager of the Integrated Public Alert and Warning System, which is part of FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And he's here to discuss what you need to know about the emergency alert system. Manny, let's start with the basics. I think most of our listeners have heard those strange-sounding squawks on their radios or their TVs. Give us just a general summary of what the emergency alert system is. Yeah, the emergency alert system, as you mentioned, most people have heard on radio and they've heard and seen it on television, is a system that was established in 1995 under the Federal Communications Commission to alert and warn the public in event of emergencies. The emergency alert system, commonly known as the EAS, is not only heard on radio and television, it's also obviously across cable TV, wireless cable systems, and satellite and wireline operators. Sensibly, and the real reason it was set up is for the President of the United States to communicate with the American public in times of emergency. Broadcast cable and satellite operators are the stewards of this important public service. And we all work, the Federal Communications Commission, we at FEMA, specifically at IPAWS, work with state, local, tribal, and territorial authorities to maintain the system operational. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is the largest user of the EAS around the country to disseminate public warnings regarding storms, flooding, and the like. Could you give us some examples and maybe some worst-case scenarios of where the EAS system would be critical? Well, take, for example, if you are driving or you are at home in Alabama, Mississippi, and other areas that are prone to tornadoes, the EAS is critical in keeping you informed if you are in the area of a tornado or severe storm of any kind and flooding. So the emergency alert system has been able to save countless lives over the years by providing that critical alert a few minutes, an hour before. And it all depends on where you are and when the alert comes through to keep you safe in the event of that type of emergency. Specifically, in areas that have been affected by fire as well on the West Coast, the emergency alert system has been very effective in getting folks to uh, evacuate the areas that are affected. We've mentioned radio and TV stations and satellite. Is the Internet a part of the EAS system? 
The internet is very well connected to what we call iPods Open, which is desktop alerts and other types of alerts that come through on your computer. Likewise, for your mobile phones, your cellular phones, the wireless emergency alert, which is also part of iPods, will warn you with a vibration, the common sounds that you hear in an EAS, but you will hear those on your phone. Many children have been recovered as part of the AMBER alerts that are disseminated via the wireless emergency alerts. So under iPods, you have the emergency alert system, which is mainly a radio television system, which is disseminated over terrestrial over-the-air television, terrestrial over-the-air radio, satellite audio operators, satellite television operators such as DirecTV and Dish Network, the audio operators like SiriusXM, cable systems such as Comcast. So all of those operators of communication systems for the public can and do disseminate the emergency alert system messages. The wireless emergency alerts is strictly for cell phones, and I'm sure everyone has seen or heard those alerts before. Our guest on InfoTrack is Manny Centeno, project manager of the Integrated Public Alert and Warning System, which is part of FEMA, and we're discussing what you need to know about the emergency alert system. One interesting aspect of the EAS system that most people probably don't know about is there are a small number of what are called primary entry point radio stations. I understand there are 77 of those across the country. What role would those stations play in an emergency, and how would that differ from the role of other radio and TV stations? I currently lead the National Public Warning System primary entry point project within IPAWS. It is a network of 77 radio stations that are distributed around the country. These are mainly commercial radio stations that are normally broadcasting news, weather, sports, talk shows, and other events. Some of them are even music stations. These 77 FEMA-supported resilient radio stations can reach 90% of the U.S. population. The primary reason for their existence is to provide the president with the capability to reach the American public within 10 minutes. So, you know, that's why we operate the system. It's for national alert, federal alert. Now, those very same stations can support the local and state authorities in their emergencies at the state and local level. So we are actually in the middle of a training process with many of our PEP stations to have not just a radio station, understand and know how to operate the radio station in emergencies, but also for the local emergency managers to have an understanding of how the system worked, just in case that they would need to operate it in a major emergency. Now, are these primary entry point stations only radio stations, or are there television stations that serve that role as well? There are no television primary entry point stations. However, we have some relay PEPs. For example, Sirius XM is not a terrestrial radio station but they distribute the national EAS like any other radio station has, and they have millions of subscribers. The National Public Radio, or NPR, also distributes PEP, or National Public Warning System, messaging through their networks. And we also have Premier Radio Networks, which is a distributor of production and entertainment content to uh, syndicated radio stations around the country. One last question about these special stations. I understand there's an ongoing effort to complete what are called all-hazards upgrades at these primary entry point stations. Can you describe the sorts of special facilities that these stations have or will have, and who's paying for that? 
Yes. And let me give you a quick history on that. We started in the mid 1990s with 35 radio stations and they were primarily outfitted with generators, fuel and communications equipment and some limited electrical resiliency for things like line surges and brownouts and things like that. We started what we call the PEP or PEP expansion project in 2009 to add stations to the system in order to increase population coverage 90%. Before that, it was in the mid-70s or so. We finished that expansion project about five years ago. Now what we're doing is we're going back to modernize the original 35. We've done 13 of those. By the end of this year, we will have about 17 of those 30 original 35 completely modernized. And what we have done is we've added, in addition to electromagnetic pulse resistance or resiliency, We've added air protection, air scrubbing for chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear particles, in addition to the typical power generation capabilities, backup capabilities, sufficient fuel. We've added small studios to those shelters so that we can operate up to 60 days without any type of outside interference or electrical utility power. So we like to call them resilient because they are built to withstand just about any disaster that comes their way. And in that way, we can continue to communicate with the public to provide them life-saving information. You mentioned in the 1990s, the old emergency broadcast system was replaced by the current emergency alert system. That was a big change. Do you anticipate any major changes in the system in the foreseeable future? Well, I pause that FEMA is always thinking about what is next, what we have to do to make public warning and alerts more accessible to all the communities around the United States. So we have initiatives at IPAWS to push the envelope on technology, not just to cell phones, but to cars, car technologies that have certain communications infrastructures that we can use. In addition to the cell phones, we're also thinking about things like refrigerators and other smart devices in the home within that whole Internet of Things or IoT that we're all hearing about nowadays. So as technology progresses and grows, we are doing our very best to keep up with that type of technology and make public warning more accessible to more Americans. Manny Centeno, the project manager of the Integrated Public Alert and Warning System, part of FEMA, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, walking every day can prevent heart attacks. That story, straight ahead. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this. <laughs> 